Hello, everyone. This is episode 761 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, February 26, 2021. I am your host, Marcus Nez, and today I'll be talking about Taxi Chaos, Kill It With Fire, Retrace Memories of Death, Castle Kong, Thunder Flash, and Anodyne 2, Return to Dust. And I'm going to get right to what I've been playing because I've been having a hell of a time trying to record this friggin' podcast. I have attempted to do it well over a dozen times. The last three times, including this episode, I've even talked about how I've had a hell of a time recording it and that I'd probably even have to redo it again and you wouldn't hear me talking about having a hell of a time. So hopefully three's a charm. You missed so many Thunder Flash whoa jokes that I tried to make and rambled on about despite never watching an episode of Thundercats and knowing nothing about it, just remembering that from wherever that was made popular, the the meme that it became. I don't even know if it was really a meme, but I just remember Thundercats, whoa, from something. I also own the whole series, possibly, on DVD that I got from like a Big Lots or Five Below or something for $5 or below dollars. I can't remember. But I have still never watched an episode. It is, in fact, still shrink-wrapped. And it may not even be Thundercats. I may be thinking of something else. All I know is that it had a nice embossed slipcover with it. And it was a series that is of some note that I never watched and still haven't watched. I should probably put it on eBay. But does anyone actually care about Thundercats? Whoa. Come on. But before I get to what I've been playing, I do want to bring up one thing, and it is something that I said I would never, ever do, and that is buy a limited run games release. I wasn't a fan of their initial model of creating a certain number of copies or having a specific print run of 2,500 or so copies of a game and then opening up pre-orders so that bots could go after them and It would sell out in minutes and people wouldn't be able to get it. People who actually want it wouldn't be able to get it or have to go through the secondhand market. I don't like that kind of shit. I had to deal with that firsthand with the analog pocket pre-orders, the first round of them, and it was a a pain in the ass. And I, I wasn't able to get it, even though I was there right at the moment it launched, hitting that refresh button, going through the checkout process, where it just hung and didn't do anything and other people got through and it was a real big bummer they handled it especially poorly analog that is by limiting it to two per person it should have been a limit to one per person i don't know why they who does who fucking needs two pockets no one that's who no one so that was just stupid but they will hopefully open up pre-orders again somewhat soon but limited run has since i don't know how long they've been doing this but they have since changed the way they do pre-orders and instead of having a specific number of copies that they will be printing they have a window for pre-orders to go live and within that window you can pre-order a game and it, it doesn't matter if you're at the beginning or the end of the window, they will print however many copies people want. So if a game 
ends up getting 100,000 pre-orders, they'll print 100,000 copies. If a game only gets 1,000 pre-orders, they'll print 1,000 copies. I think this is a healthier system all around for both limited run and the consumer, and so I'm a fan of that. But I'm still not that interested in most games or really needing a physical copy of them. But that first changed when I saw the announcement of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. And it changed not so much because I love the game. I do love the game. But when I saw the other editions, I had to say to myself, hmm, hmm. Because there's a really fancy edition that comes with like this pop-up turntable thing that is really cool, but not $140 or whatever cool it is. But the middle edition, the classic edition, I believe it's called, is $55 and comes with the game, of course. And then a faux Sega Genesis case, which I'm all about. The Genesis is my favorite console of all time. I am a Sega fanboy at heart and always will be. And a copy of the soundtrack on CD, which if you wanted to get a physical copy of the soundtrack now, you'd have to spend about $75 or so on eBay, which is a lot of money for just the soundtrack. So being able to get a copy of the game along with the soundtrack and this really cool case and probably some other crap, I don't know. I'm sure there's a poster included and maybe something else. But the case and the soundtrack alone were enough to make me say, I'm going to have to actually think about this. But it wasn't until I saw they announced at some point, and I missed it this whole time, a, another game that means significantly more to me than Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. A game that is in my top 10 favorite games of all time that has my all-time favorite soundtrack for any video game and one of my favorite soundtracks, period. And that is, of course, To the Moon. So Limited Run Games is releasing To the Moon for Switch in a standard edition, but also a special edition that comes with a plushie of whatever and some other stuff, but it's coming with the soundtrack on a CD. A soundtrack that up until this point has never been available physically to my knowledge. Maybe on vinyl, but I don't care about vinyl. I want a soundtrack that is practical, and I will actually use a CD and listen to a CD. Vinyl's cool. More power to you if you collect it. Great. I used to collect vinyl, but then I never ended up getting a turntable and playing any of them, so I got rid of all my vinyl, and I've been much happier since. I I didn't have that much, but I, I bought basically... Basically? I bought basically singles... 45s are called right? I don't know. Because I'm not into that whole culture. But when I saw that was a thing, I couldn't say no anymore. I had to go back on my promise to myself that I would never ever buy a limited run games release. And I pre-ordered to the moon. And since I was doing that, I said to myself, well, might as well just get Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. So that happened. (laughs) I still don't feel that great about it. But To the Moon is such a special game to me. And I'm a big fan of 
physical soundtracks, CD soundtracks. They are something I, I really love for things that I do love. And I love Anamani Gucci's soundtrack for Scott Pilgrim. But for To the Moon, it is a very special soundtrack for me. I've said it in the past before. If I ever got married, I would want to have our first dance be to To the Moon, the ending piano version. And when I say I would want it to be, it would have to be. If my partner would not be willing to dance with me to that song, then we're immediately getting divorced. Because that's that's just got to happen. It has to happen. It's that special to me. So I'm excited while also feeling a little bit icky at the same time. But that's enough about that. However, speaking of Scott Pilgrim versus The World, I have decided to play for Attack the Backlog next, which isn't a series called Attack the Backlog Next, but the next game I'm going to be playing is River City Ransom because I've never played that, and I probably should, given how much I love Scott Pilgrim versus the world. So that should be fun, and it'll be a short game. I am continuing to add to my cushion. I should, by the end of this weekend, have five months in the bank worth of episodes, but I do want to get to the year. I want to get to that year, Mark. Mark, I'm saying to myself. That was year Mark, M-A-R-K, comma, Mark MRC, me saying, I want to get to the year mark, Mark, talking to myself. You get it. You understand. You, you don't get it? Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, anywho, let's just get on to what I've been playing because I'm just dying here and I want to finish this. I don't want to podcast anymore. I am hating this so much. The Taxi Chaos is available on Xbox Switch and PlayStation, I played it on Xbox, and it is Crazy Taxi without being Crazy Taxi. And that is very true, not just in name, but in the sense that it lacks the personality and the character that Crazy Taxi had. But it is very much so a Crazy Taxi game. And it's fine. If you love Crazy Taxi and you're itching for a game like that, it is the best you can do on all platforms except Xbox. If you own an Xbox, whether that be a 360 you still have hooked up or an Xbox One, a series console, you can play Crazy Taxi, the Xbox Live Arcade version, on 360, of course, natively, or via backward compatibility on any of the later consoles. It is still a lot of fun. Of course, it's missing the licensed music and locations but it is still mechanically so much fun and on top of that before i even get into taxi chaos and what is its problem or or some of its problems uh, like this isn't the biggest thing because it only affects xbox players or it's something that only xbox players can take advantage of taxi chaos on Xbox and PlayStation is $30. And on Switch, I think it is $35. You can get Crazy Taxi, the Xbox Live Arcade version. You can still purchase it now. I think it was given away for free even a few years ago to everyone. But if you didn't get that, you can purchase it right now for $10. And it is as much content, if not more, 
than what you get in Taxi Chaos. So what you get in Taxi Chaos is a traditional arcade mode, a pro mode, which removes the arrow and, and makes you have to pay attention to the passenger and where they're pointing and also use your memory if you've played it long enough and, and know where locations are just based off their name. And then a free roam mode, which is really just there for you to go and search the world looking for collectibles and whatnot that are scattered throughout the level. I did that for like 10 minutes and found one. And then I was like, okay, maybe these are really well hidden or I'm just inherently not caring enough to realize that ones are in front of me when I drive by them. But those are all the modes in it. And the, the problem with Taxi Chaos is that it is just really bland. It is fine, like I said. It is mechanically sound, but it's pretty boring. The environment is this take on New York City, I have to assume. And it's really flat. It lacks color. It just feels like a very dead city. The one difference it adds mechanics-wise is the ability to jump at any point, which I think was in Crazy Taxi 3, but no one remembers Crazy Taxi 3, so that may not even be right. But even in that one, I don't think you could spam it the way you can in Taxi Chaos. So the way it works is just like Crazy Taxi. In the arcade mode, you go up to a passenger, they'll have the little ring around them, which is their space which you stop in in order to pick them up and it'll be a different color depending on how far they want to go and then you go and you try to combo up by doing jumps jumping over traffic finding shortcuts boosting and and whatnot but it's just not that exciting i mean part of it is when i went back and played crazy taxi after playing some taxi chaos there are so many little things that add to the fun of it all and the rewarding nature of playing it like when you are driving and you get a near miss or do a jump you'll have that little coin noise and it'll show you oh you just gained two dollars for that near miss or that jump or, or whatnot and you're constantly being rewarded with these little audio and and visual cues that are just being like, hey, you did something good here. You did something good here. And it's just constantly reminding you that you're, you're getting something. And you don't get any of that in Taxi Chaos. You get your customers, your passengers banter, their little dialogue, which is real shitty. And also the arrow sucks ass. I have yet to mention that, but the arrow that is pointing you in the location's direction is pretty shitty it's not like the worst thing in the world but it's also far from great and what what really sucks though is just the fact that you're going around the city taking people to these locations and i played it for like an hour and at no point did i start to gain any type of familiarity with the relatively small size of the city Whereas in Crazy Taxi, even with the loss of the licenses, so you don't actually have Pizza Hut or anything like that, you still have very distinct looking locations and stops. And the world that you're in, you quickly start to remember where everything is and how to get there. 
and where this shortcut leads to and how to get here faster. And you you feel like you're you're gaining knowledge the more you play and that you are learning more about this city and a large part of that is because so much of it is distinct and that just isn't in Taxi Chaos. It is just this really bland city where everything looks the same. There's no color. There's no vibrancy. There's no life to it. It's just a very whatever experience and it's one that if you're on any console outside of Xbox, you don't really have another option. And that sucks. But at the same time, like if if this was $15, I wouldn't be saying, oh man, you, you should go out and get it if you love Crazy Taxi. But it, it would be something that I would 100% recommend it being worth checking out. But at $30, what you get there is not a lot. Like I said, you get the basic arcade mode, which has you picking up passengers and taking them to their locations with the arrow guiding you along the way. And then you have your pro mode or whatever it's called, which is the same thing without the arrow. And you just have to go off of your memory of the area or paying attention to them, which I find to be somewhat troublesome. You have two avatars to pick from. Of course, they don't do anything. They don't mean anything. There's just a guy and a lady avatar and then eight or ten taxis that you unlock by doing things in game usually having to do with accumulating so many passengers over the course of all your playthroughs or getting a certain number of stars for one run in the pro mode which is pretty easy to do because the way uh, a pro tip for you if you end up Checking this game out. This would be a, a solid Game Pass game as well. But for the the best taxi in the game, which you unlock by getting four stars or more in the pro mode, the best thing you can do is hope that on your first pickup, you get that person to their location fast enough with a high enough combo to get four stars or more. And then all you have to do is not pick up anyone else. That's because your stars for your completion of a a game, it's just based off of your completed thing. So it's not like you did this well in this amount of time. You ended up racking up this much in fares and delivered this many people. It has nothing to do with that. It is just the average of the actual fares you've delivered. So don't stress out about it too much. Just do that and you'll be good. I think you can even pick up somebody and then not deliver them and then that just doesn't even count. So that is a pro tip for getting that taxi which is the best in the game in terms of its stats because that's how that's the only way you can change the the stats in the game. But yeah. Taxi Chaos was a, a bit of a bummer. I wasn't expecting a lot of, out of it and even then I was a little bit disappointed. It's it's really responsive. It's almost too responsive and how easy it is to control. You don't have to worry about breaking it all during turns. You can do a 90 degree turn without a second thought. But it just it isn't fun to play really. It's it's a game that you you could play and probably enjoy for a half hour 
and then you'll be good. You won't really feel a strong desire to go back to it. And also on Xbox with the Crazy Taxi backward compatible version, it has still a decent number of people playing it. I checked the weekly leaderboards and there were 725 entries, which of course isn't a huge number, but for a game that came out over 10 years ago at this point, I think, and I, I mean that version of it came out 10 or so years ago, to still have 700 plus people playing it and, and maybe over 1,000 by the end of the week, that's a decent number of people who are still playing and enjoying Crazy Taxi. So just do that if you're on Xbox. If you're on Switch or PS4 or 5, then this is your only option, and I'm sorry. But that is, again, Taxi Chaos, available on Xbox, Switch, and PlayStation. Next up is Kill It With Fire, which is available on PC, mobile, Xbox, Switch, and PlayStation. I believe the PC version has been out for a while, and then everything else is just coming out around now. And this is a game all about killing spiders. You can, of course, kill them with fire, or with your clipboard, a shotgun, a pistol, and other crap as well. And it's it's fine. It tries to spice things up by having you find other objectives for every level, like breaking all the frames in a house or finding all these batteries or I don't know. But the main crux of the game is finding spiders and killing them with fire or whatever you have to deal out the damage with. You have a little radar like in Ghostbusters to find ghosts, but this finds spiders. The way levels work is that you will start off in one room and all the other doors will be locked. To open them, you have to kill a certain number of spiders. Once you do that, you can unlock that door and so on until you have enough to open the exit and then complete a level. And it's fine. It's it's first person. It's got really simplistic visuals that look okay. They're, they're good for what the game is because I would not want to be playing a game where I'm having realistic spiders jumping in my face because there are various types of spiders. Jumping spiders, those nasty little white spiders, these big red black spiders that explode and then a bunch of little spiders come out of them which I really don't like and if that was realistic I'd fucking throw my controller at the TV because I don't like spiders unless they're innate legged freaks. I'll take those realistic-ish spiders. I love that movie which doesn't make any sense but that's all you're really doing. You're shooting them, smacking them with your clipboard, lighting them on fire. I found C4 in a level and I was blowing things up it's ridiculous and over the top and kind of funny. It's physics-based too as well. You can pick up objects. You can throw them. I wish you could throw things harder so they could throw them at spiders. But you can only kind of just toss things pretty much. But it's it's okay. It's a gag game. And it's competent. It, it works But at the same time, it is just what it is, a gag game about killing spiders. And I played it for an hour or so, and I don't feel a strong drive to keep playing it. 
there's not much there to motivate you to want to keep going back to, to kill these spiders. Unless you really, really like killing spiders. I, I'm indifferent. I'd rather they just leave me alone and never come within my cone of vision. If I don't see a spider, I'm cool. You can live your life. But if you get in my fucking face, I'm going to have to find a way to kill you without touching you because I don't, I don't like it. And if I see you in my bedroom and then I go off to find something to kill you with and I come back and you're gone, I can't sleep in that room anymore. I don't like it. Bastard spiders, just leave me alone. Anywho, that is again, Kill It With Fire, available on PC, mobile, Xbox, Switch, and PlayStation. See, I'm, I'm trying to be more aware of what I'm talking about and remembering to tell you the names at the top and the end of each discussion along with where they are available because I never looked that up. So hopefully you actually like me doing this and you're not annoyed by me repeatedly saying the name and the platforms it's on. But I'm going to keep doing it again with Retrace Memories of Death, which is on Xbox, Switch, and PlayStation. I played it on Xbox. And this is a, a neat little indie game with pixel visuals, I guess. It doesn't look that great, but the story is interesting. And that's why you would, that's the why you would, <laughs> that is why you would be playing it. It is an adventure game where you are going around uh, and searching rooms, finding objects that you would use to complete puzzles and stuff like that. But what makes it different, unique, and interesting and worth checking out is the way the story is told and what the story is telling. So you are this girl and you are hanging out with your four friends, I believe. And you go to the bus stop to go to like some kind of ghost house or whatever. But then some kind of crazy earthquake or whatever happens. Things go dark. And upon your initial playthrough, it says, whose hand do you grab to take with you, you know, as everything's going crazy. And then you are transported to this other world where you have to figure out what's going on and what's happening. And I don't want to give much away or, or too much away about the story because that is the reason to play the game. That's what makes it interesting. But the way it works is that you go through this bit of the story, you learn things, and once you reach the end of a certain storyline, you'll be taken to this void area where you can see this original or this the, the playthroughs you've gone through, but then you can go back to specific points within the game to change your decisions and see how the story will play out in that sense and learn more about the world and what has happened and use the memories from previous playthroughs in addition to your current playthrough to learn more and hopefully be able to figure out what's going on and potentially change things even more. So I think it's a really cool game conceptually and I think it works conceptually. I'm fascinated by the story and it makes the fact that it may not be that good of a looker and mechanically it's very simple in its adventure games uh, structure 
just being where you're walking around, talking to people, finding objects and all that. It, it, it makes me want to keep playing. Whereas in other games that are similar, I, I fall off of because the story doesn't engage me or this doesn't interest me. The story is strong enough uh, that I, I want to see where it goes from here. That is, again, Retrace of Memories. Or not Retrace of Memories. Retrace Memories of Death, uh, available on Xbox, Switch, and PlayStation. Then Castle Kong is on PC and Switch. The PC version came out a while ago, I believe. But the Switch version just came out. And you may already be able to guess what kind of game this is. But it is basically Donkey Kong. But not Donkey Kong. You are a dude going after this obnoxious looking king who has the princess. And it's just like Donkey Kong where you're either climbing up to reach the top and get to him so that you could clear a level or there's there are three different levels one where you're just doing the basic climb up outside of the castle I, I think then one where you are inside the throne room and there are a bunch of wires holding up the chandelier above and you have to walk through all of them in order to cut the wires essentially to drop the chandelier and then there's another one that is like a factory looking thing where you are dealing with some conveyor belts and stuff like that. And you just play those levels over and over and over again as they progressively get more complicated and whatnot. The difficulty is there. It it gets significantly more difficult probably after the first two levels that are really, really easy. So if you're a fan of that type of challenge and like Donkey Kong is worth checking out, it, mechanically it's okay I, I I don't know if it's just that I've never been the biggest Donkey Kong fan or if it's the game itself but it does feel like there's something they're missing but it's not bad I I, I never felt I think this is a, a positive thing to say I never felt that when I died or whatnot it was because of the mechanics that the game was being broken in that sense I, I felt like i was always well enough in control of my character to do what needed to be done and i would die because things would just be getting really crazy and maybe i'd be too impatient but never because the controls were getting in the way so even though they didn't quite click or whatever they didn't do for me it, it, that wasn't the problem but yeah, it's it's just Donkey Kong with a different skin. And if that's something you're interested in, it's worth checking out. There's also a tournament going on that uh, I was asked to talk about. Because I did get a code for this, as I did with the other games. But it is starting with, or it's starting on the 25th, which would be yesterday when the game officially launched on the Switch and goes through May 25th. So you've got three months to tackle this, to try your hand at it if you end up picking up the game. But it's a, a tournament where they're giving out some cash for getting the high score. They they were giving $5,000 for the first to get to a kill screen, or the first to get to the kill screen, which was already won by someone. 
and I don't know if that was part of the PC launch or whatever. But for the highest score, you can get $1,250. And then the second highest score, all the way through the 10th highest score, get some amount of money, which is cool, you know? Give you a reason to check it out, maybe. If you you like that kind of competition, if you have a competitive drive in you. But it's a, a solid take on Donkey Kong. So... If you really like that game, I think it's absolutely worth checking out. If you don't like Donkey Kong, do not check out Castle Kong at all. But if you like Donkey Kong, check it out. I, I think that is the clearest thing. If you've never played Donkey Kong, who are you? <laughs> is Donkey Kong available in the Nintendo Switch Online service? If it is, check that out if you are a member. And if you are like, yeah, I like this, you could just say, I'm just going to keep playing this instead. Or you could pick up Castle Kong. But again, that is on Nintendo Switch and PC. Then Thunder Flash is on PC, Mobile, Xbox, Switch, and PlayStation. I believe... I don't know anything about the mobile version. I think that might have come out first. But it is an action game in the vein of the original Commando on NES and Ikari Warriors. Very much so more the latter than the former. Because it's a little bit more zoomed in. And it's really well done. I had a lot of fun with it. You get 10 lives to go through the whole game with your first playthrough. If you don't quite make it, you'll unlock an extra 5 lives. And if you don't make that again, you'll get 20 lives. I just missed out on completing it with the 10 lives. So I'll be able to complete it with the 15. But you have your stages that are broken up into four or so areas and then a boss fight. And it's it's just really well done. It feels pretty good. The only thing I wish it had, and I'm guessing it doesn't have this, to be faithful to the games it is inspired by. It's so clearly inspired by because I don't I don't remember how those games worked, but I would assume given how few buttons you had that you wouldn't have this option. But I wish you could strafe. I wish you could lock the position you wanted to shoot in and then still be able to move around freely because the way it works is that whatever direction you're moving in, that's the direction you're shooting. So if you're moving to the right, you're going to be shooting to the right. If you're moving forward, you're shooting forward. You're moving backward, you're shooting backward and so on and diagonals as well. And I just wish I could lock in where I'm aiming and then move around because I think it would make... The game, maybe it would just make the game too easy, and that's why they didn't want to do it. Because there are plenty of times where I get in situations where I, I missed shooting someone because of that setup, and I would take damage that I wouldn't otherwise if I could lock in my positioning. So that's the only thing that I wish was different to make it a, a more overall enjoyable experience for me. But there could be other people who would say, no, that, that's not how it's supposed to be but I don't care how it's supposed to be. That's how I want it to be. But it's a a really fun game, and it is a Rod Out Like a Games joint. So it's, I mean, that doesn't, this isn't always the case, as I'll mention with the next one, but I'm pretty sure it's only five bucks, and it's it's well worth it if you like those games. You'll, You'll get an hour of enjoyment out of it, or less if you complete it the first time, but you can replay it, of course. But I think it is 
Well worth checking out if you have nostalgia for Commando, Ikari Warriors, or the like. It, it, it is so clearly inspired by those games and does a great job trying to be one of them. So there is that. And then the last game I'm going to talk about is Anodyne 2 Return to Dust, which is available on PC, Xbox, Switch, and PlayStation. I played it on Xbox. It is a sequel to Anodyne, which I never played, and they even start off the game with this little note from the developers because it was made by two people in like a year and a half, which is impressive. But it says stuff along the lines of thank you for checking out our game. If you never played Anodyne, this is a sequel in a way and has some ties to it, but it is very much its own thing and you don't need to play it. So don't worry if you've never played Anodyne, you don't need it. But this is another Rada Like a Games collab. I don't know, because I think it's published by different people on different platforms. It is $20. There's a launch discount, at least on Xbox, for $16 right now. And visually, it, this is another game that, like Retrace, Memories of Death, I don't want to spoil too much about. But the way it's set up is that the quote-unquote main game is set up like a old-school 3D platform. And visually, it looks like a PlayStation 1-era game. It's very polygonal. There seems to be a blurry filter on it, which I'm not... I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm not overly fond of it. It's not bad. It's just, you know, it's blurry. And blurry is a weird thing to look at. And that whole thing works well. I, I think it's a competent 3D platformer. But when you're in that space, you're going around and talking to people. The, the, I don't know if you really call them people. You're talking to beings. And you can enter their mind, their soul, their being, which initiates this very short little minigame type of thing where you are pushing the directional pad in one of four directions, as you do in correlation to the colors that are coming at you, which was a little mind-breaking at first because they were the colors of the on Xbox, and I'm assuming they would be different on different platforms, or maybe they wouldn't. But when playing on Xbox, they are the colors of the face buttons. So down is A, Left is X, right is B, and up would be Y. But you don't press those buttons. You don't press the colored buttons. You press the D-pad. And it was just this weird thing of wanting to press the buttons that are associated with those colors instead of the D-pad. But I quickly got accustomed to it and started doing them perfectly without any errors. But you play that very brief 30-second or so minigame to enter their mind, and then it becomes this... 16-bit-esque, top-down action-adventure game for the the period of which you're in their, their brain, their whatever, and you have a little vacuum with you. That is a very puzzle-centric section where you are going through, you get to a room, and you have to figure out how to clear it, whether that be by going through and 
sucking up this one enemy that is in your way while avoiding these other ones that will explode. And if they explode upon contact, they will bring up barriers that are in the way of progressing to the next room or having an enemy that is shooting at you and navigating around a space so that you can get behind an object that needs to be destroyed and having them shoot it for you and so on. And it works well. But the real, the real reason why it is so engaging and interesting is because visually it does stand out with its PlayStation 1 visuals and then the 16-bit, the, the, the variation between it all. But more so than that, the story it is telling, which having not played Psychonauts, seems to be reminiscent of Psychonauts and just the whole jumping into people's brains. But you have this overarching story and then with each character who you jump into, you have their own personal little story, which can range from very basic and simple to more deep and not exactly profound, but something that will let you think about things. And, and I, I think it's a, a solid little game that, that's worth at least checking out and looking more into because it, it surprised me. I didn't know quite what to make of it. And I think the, the biggest problem with it is that visually in motion, I guess I don't mind the blurriness, but I think in screenshots and stills, it looks especially bad. I, I remember when I first saw the game pop up on the store, I looked at the screens for it and I was like, Ugh, what is this? What is this filter I'm looking at? And to that extent, I still kind of feel that way. But the game is interesting enough to make me overcome that, to not really care per se. But it, it's it's something worth checking out because it, it's trying different things. It's unique, and that is something I always appreciate. And mechanically, it, it's pretty solid. In the 3D space, like I said, you can jump around, you have a double jump. But you can also transform into a car to get to areas faster, which is nice. And it's just, it's an interesting world that becomes more interesting as you play more and more, which is always a good thing. You know, it, it's great in wanting you to keep playing for more and more. So, yeah, that is again Anodyne 2 Return to Dust on PC, Xbox, Switch, and PlayStation 4. So, yeah. That will do it for this year episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. I got through it. I got through it. I hope this was an alright episode. I feel like it was decent enough. And I'm happy enough with it to say I'm not going to re-record this again. In part because I just do not have the time to keep doing it anymore. But I think this ended up turning out pretty well. I hope you all enjoyed it. But anyway, once again, I'm your host, Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, Attack the Backlog, and Unamazingly Baka, all of which are available on podcast services across the globe. You can also go over to youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage to check out Attack the Backlog there, which I highly recommend, along with the audio for on amazingly baka if you just prefer consuming audio there but there's no video really to go along with that and if you 
do go over to YouTube or have been for other things, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you subscribed if you haven't already and liked videos when you watch them because it does help with their whole algorithm and stuff. Comment on things, even if it's some basic-ass comment, but just show that you are there in more than just your view. It, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated if you could do that. If you can't, if you don't want to, that's fine. No biggie, but I, I would appreciate that. You can also check out the art I make on the site, and if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy, and if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for watching or listening. You can't watch the show. I don't know why I said that. Also, Patreon, to go back to that, I've... Did I mention this last episode? I don't know. But I'm still going over how I can make some exclusive stuff for there that I would never, ever consider putting out in any kind of real way, whether it's behind-the-scenes stuff or whatnot. So maybe that'll give you some incentive to actually join the Patreon if you haven't already, which is most of you. Uh, no biggie there either. <laughs> Anywho, that is it. That is all. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, a lovely weekend, and a wonderful, wonderful week until I talk to you again next Friday. So adios, everyone. Bye, bye. 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 Bye.